0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 129th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the only podcast that doesn't raise the price by $5 and then still fail to give you more value. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering Finance, collection management, and speculation.
1: A quick message from our sponsor, Face-to-Face Games. face 2 provides competitive pricing on Magic singles and sealed product with shipping to both the U.S. and to Canada. Check out Face-to-Face card pricing via MTGPrice.com, whether you're building your deck or stockpiling a spec.
0: I'm your, co- your host, Travis Allen, Wizard Bumpin' on Twitter, and my co-host tonight is Cliff Bagel, Word of Commander, on Twitter. And we're here to help you guys make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering.
1: Travis, I know I told you it's pronounced like bagel, but with a D. Did
0: I just say bagel? Did I just say You, you bagel? totally did. You better leave this <laughs> in too. You're going to leave yeah. this in. I don't do enough editing to remove it.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, i glad to be here. Looking forward to sharing some value information with all of you. This show, yeah. as always.
0: What? Diff Bagel.
1: D- come on, man. Now we're in Biff territory. Uh, This show is sponsored, as always, by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to manage your collection, track your specs, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby.
0: All right. So, Cliff, we got uh, some good stuff this week, plenty to chat about. Uh, What's on our agenda?
1: We have our usual four. First up, we're going to talk the top movers. There are some cards that have really gone crazy in the light of the new commander sets. We're on to our picks of our week, uh, our picks of the week. And then we've got
0: some tournament results. And then we're going to talk a little about D&D as an eSport and what that might mean for Magic. All right. So let's get started. Segment one, our top movers. First card of the week is Wellspring out of Mirage. Three to six, uh, non-foil here. And this is the one from, um, again, Mirage specifically. So this isn't Iker Wellspring or anything like that. Just Wellspring. Three mana, gain control of Enchanted Land. Uh, at the end of each of your turns, lose control of the land, and at the beginning of your turn, gain control of the land. So the idea here is that if you're playing, uh, what's your name? Ed, not Edris, Elvira, whatever the Bant Chick is. Uh, you <laughs> oh, st- you no, Basically, true. you can take control of whatever your opponent's best land is, and they get to keep it on their turn so they don't feel too bad, but then you get it on your turn, Um, and then because she untaps your enchanted permanents, like that's her, one of her abilities. So you get to use her land twice. So like if you enchant somebody else's guys, cradle, for instance, it can be pretty silly. The card is also on the reserve list, which is why, uh, why we're seeing a pretty good price movement there on three to six. Frankly, six might not be where it stops, especially if that deck, if that commander becomes popular at all. I don't think she really will be, uh, but I can see a future where wellspring is not $6 anymore.
1: Plus, this has the real synergy with the Bant Planeswalker, who will untap Enchanted Permanents for you. So you stole somebody else's cradle or other awesome land, and you're just going to town. Uh, I'm on board. I would not pay. I suppose this could get to 10. We've seen reserve list cards go much higher for much less reasons. So you're right. I mean, who the hell knows where it's going to stop?
0: What do you got next for us, Cliff?
1: Next up is Myojin, Myojin uh, you'll correct me in a moment, of Life's Web, the foil copies and Champions of Kamigawa. It's gone from about $11 to 22 And this is the one, is it 8 mana or 9 mana? I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Myojin of Life's Web, it is 9 mana, 6 green, green, green. Gets the Divinity Counter if you cast it from your hand. Pull the counter off of it, and you can just dump creatures from your hand onto the battlefield. I didn't see anything special that was making this awesome, but it's a Kamigawa rare. that has some EDH value, and I just imagine there were not many copies left to be picked up.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't have anything specific to point to either for Life's Swab, other than it just being a good card, Myojin. Uh, so, you know, Champions of Kamigawa foil rares are going to be exceedingly rare, as it were. So
1: <laughs> I wouldn't think too much about it. How do we not make following one every
0: week? Yeah, following that is Herald of the Pantheon out of Magic Origins. Foils 2 to 4, so a nice little double up. Um, This is another Enchantment Matters creature, definitely part of the upswell of Enchantment Matters cards uh, based on the uh, Bant Enchantment Commander. But after that, we have Enchanted Evening from Shadowmoor. Foils of that 20 some odd dollars to 55 for an even bigger gain, about 160% Enchanted Evening, turns everything into enchantments. This is a card that people were really hoping would show up in the Bant enchantment deck this year, um, but didn't for whatever reason. Uh, Probably just shows so to three it. so now yeah. it's even more expensive. And now, now it's getting tricky because now the card is getting to the point where it's hard to... Um, to put it anywhere like it's gonna get too expensive and then it becomes tricky to reprint because like how do we reprint a $60 casual card and then they're stuck putting it at mythic to avoid like crushing people's copies and it's a it's an unpleasant scenario they find themselves in yeah and also because one reprint is going to crush the price just, because just the you. supply is extremely low which is why the price is so high demand is not tremendous so a nice reprint on this is going to send prices crashing because there's just not enough demand to support it
1: Yep, uh I'm on board with all of that and it bears mentioning that um the what's its faceer the um all the rares from that block are super rare anyway and we're talking about foil rares from this point in magic's history so having it come up at you know go from 20 to uh 55 is not that surprising um next up we had Nimble Obstructionist. The foils of this particular wizard have gone from four fifty to about ten dollars for a gain of a little over double. As we're gonna talk about later, this was a four of in a deck that put two copies in the top sixteen of a uh, last week's Star City event. I don't know if it got a lot of play online before that, but now you know with four of a copy in a modern deck, uh, that that foil is gonna go up every time.
0: Yes, for sure. Um, reasonable. I don't. It's a fine move. I don't think that you want to get married to this card. I would instantly ship them if I have them. The odds of this being real are pretty minimal. Um, you know, it's from Amunet too. It's not like it's
1: yeah. It's there's a lot of them out there, like and that. if you've got them, ship them. I'm I'm on board. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um Okay. Following that, zombie infestation out of Odyssey foils uh, three fifty or so up towards nine for. About 160% as well. Zombie Infestation is pitch two cards to make a zombie token. Definitely part of the... Uh, wait, it's not Vivian. What the heck is her name? Uh, Verena, the queen deck. Um, you want zombies to attack with, and you exile creature cards from your graveyard with her. So it just allows you to generate... Put cards in your graveyard, which is where you kind of want them with Verena. And the Odyssey printing the original foil. Um, I mean, foil $9 from Odyssey, like, I mean, I guess it could keep going up. But I mean, I don't know how many people are really eager to pay that. Let me put it this way. I don't see the Odyssey foils being worth more than 15 really ever because there's a lot of copies of this and it's not really a banner card. Nobody cares that much. So take it or leave it either way. Following that, Umber Mystic out of Rise of the Eldrazi foils, also about three fifty towards 10 This is the one that gives all of your aura permanence totem armor so basically anything you have that enchants a permanent gains totem armor um definitely uh like i said part of the banned enchantment commander deck upswell we're seeing this week
1: yep it's a uh, a fun addition to all the uh, enchantments and when your rancor is doing like triple duty for you it always feels pretty good uh, next up, we have Varchild's War Riders. The reserved list rare out of Alliances has gone from about $5 to uh, about $13. Uh, I personally sold the three copies I found for uh, $12 each on eBay this week. And uh, this is a survivor. It makes survivor tokens, and it fits really fun into the new Varchild deck. And if you've got them, dig them out uh, and ship them away while the iron is hot.
0: You've been getting them, getting them for, um, you were selling them for 12 12 bucks.
1: Uh, Let me check my eBay. How much did I get for them? I will tell you exactly.
0: All right, well, well, Cliff looks that up. Our next card is Coralash, air to Blackblade out of Future Sight foils 10 to 30. I don't really have a great answer for you on Coralash. I mean, it's a Future Sight foil, so supply is pretty limited. And this was a popular card, kind of a popular card anyways. Um, the badass zombie is what he is. he is, yeah, he is really cool, but I don't exactly know why people would suddenly care about him. Well there weren't that many copies of the
1: future site one, and that has the much better border so i'm I'm on board with with this going to a, a much higher plateau. there probably weren't all that many copies um he's really fun- he's much better in the mono black zombies list and we just got the three color zombie uh we could really use a four color zombie wizards if you're listening, but the the dedication to the mono black deck is uh, is pretty spicy.
0: Sure. Unfortunate that you can't trigger his ability. Nope. You will never
1: be able to trigger... Uh, what's that
0: ability called? Grandiose?
1: Grandeur. Grandeur. Okay. And uh, for the record, I sold uh, three SP1s for $30 total.
0: Jeez. All right. I should dig mine out and get those little <laughs> 100% you should. I looked, Sell while you can. I looked through... About two thousand bulk blue rares and did not find one wall of kelp and I have never been I so found
1: in one. In I found one and it's gone at twelve. I, I don't know what's wrong with people. But okay. I'm, I'm happy 12 to, bucks for it. I saw yeah, I, it was no not in very good condition.
0: Oh not okay, not very good condition. Okay. So it's yeah, been like thirty bucks on T C G right now. <sighs> remember we talked about this last week. We were both. Exhausted. I
1: remember we talked about this last week. I couldn't believe that I was getting twelve for this beat the shit terrible card. Uh, anyway, moving on. Let's talk about rebuild the uh, foil out of Urza's Legacy. It has gone from about seven bucks to twenty, and that's because it's just a handy dandy card in the right deck. I will, I'm thinking of recycle for some reason. What's rebuild do again? Rebuild. Oh, return all artifacts to owner's hand for two and a blue as an instant. And it has cycling. It's only an uncommon. Really? Okay. So, yeah, that's really fun in the assorted artifact decks that are going out. And Urza's Legacy foils have always been a difficult one to stock up on. So if you've got a few that are rattling around your box, now might be the time.
0: Yeah, that's definitely based on the uh, the artifact decks showing up. Got Sahili and Taunos and what have you. Suddenly, um, so just resurgence of interest in those. Uh, after that, wall of mulch from onslaught foils under a dollar to two and change. So it's one of these two hundred percent gains that doesn't actually mean anything to anyone because there's no way to capitalize on it. Uh, but wall of mulch is a wall that lets you sacrifice other walls to draw cards. So you play your wall of omens with our arcades, draw a card, and then draw two cards because it. Wall of Omens also draws you a card, and then who cares about Wall of Omens, so you sacrifice it to draw another card, which is also probably an irrelevant wall that you will sack to draw more cards, and then you'll realize your entire deck is full of bad cards. (laughs) Uh, Cliff, why don't you tell us about the next one?
1: Uh, Next up is Stony Brook Schoolmaster. The foils from Morning Tide have gone from about a buck to three bucks. Uh, It's one of several Merfolk I mentioned in my piece on Friday. I think the Merfolk, the new Bant Merfolk legend is going to be, I'm not saying it's going to be Nekazar level stuff, but we're going to see a resurgence in the white merfolk because now we finally have a legend that lets you play the green, blue, and the, all the white merfolk accessories all together, along with some of the fun token, uh, doublers. It's gone from two to three. Uh, it was an uncommon. Was it uncommon or common? At Denmark. But, uh, yeah, I think that's one. We'll, next week we'll have a, a few more. But speaking of things we've talked about, you tell us what's
0: next. Uh I I'm sorry, Cliff, which commander was that? I missed that. The, uh the, is the Bant Merfolk, I don't remember that yeah, one. Yeah,
1: the Bant Merfolk. Uh she's got the um the text for a enchantment deck, but she's a three color Merfolk that gets one one for each enchantment uh Vasa the Sunlit. She's Oh, that check. Yeah. So it gives one one for each enchantment, and whenever you cast enchantment you draw a card. Your first enchantment. But this is the only three color Merfolk we've had. So uh, I think this is going to enable some stuff. This is kind of what people have been waiting for, to combine Shadowmoor Merfolk with uh, new
0: Blue-Green Merfolk. I see. Do you really think <clears throat> that ban- players that wanted a Merfolk ban- commander are really need a commander with the Merfolk text on it more than they need one with relevant card text? Like are it, you asking
1: me to apply logic to the people who play Arcadia Saboth
0: decks? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what people will do. It seems like that card has so little to do with what Merfolk would do and what they want to do. Like, I'm not 100% sure about that. Just because, like, okay, now you have a three-color Merfolk commander, but, like, the only relevant... She doesn't have any other relevant text on her. She is a Merfolk, but, like, who cares? I think
1: that... it. I could be wrong, but these are relatively uh cheap to get in on and uh, they're awesome in even just the uh two color or merfolk decks the only two color one is uh sig right i'm pretty sure
0: uh i mean in terms, in of, terms of having white, one, yeah because there's there's a reason why uh,
1: Wanderwine hub is a 20 dollars foil already
0: yeah i it, that might be true i'm not sure i'm not giving you here time i'm just kind of wondering like Do commander players want a blank Bant commander that just has Merfolk on it? Or would they rather just have any other Bant commander that doesn't happen to be a Merfolk? There don't have to be many in the world who want it, is the thing. Sure, sure. Uh, Following that is the Gitrog monster from Shadows Over Innistrad. Non-foils are three and change up to about $11. This is definitely based on the John Land list. Uh, Foils have also moved they've uh they've taken a good jump themselves um i know james and i have both talked about get rog monster at least once each over the years or i should say oh yeah i guess it is years we have definitely <laughs> talked about get rog monster on this cast before um so this is no surprise to me it was just a matter of when uh so cool beans if you had already gotten in um following that sovereigns of lost alara foils out of alara reborn six to 20. You can thank me for that. Just last week, I said that Foils of Sovereigns of Lara were a good buy. So uh, people clearly listened to me and bought them. Now the question is, will they sell? I still, of course, think they will. So good job if you got on that train. I wish you the best of luck. Next up,
1: we have Vitis4 Thalid. The foil, I want to say it's a common out of Player Chaos. It has also gone from about $0.75 cents in foil to around 3 bucks. Uh, This one not only has the uh, sapperling text, but it also allows you to sacrifice a sapperling and give target
0: creature haste until end of turn. Okay. I I don't know why, but there you go. Sure, whatever. (laughs) It's $0.50 to $3, like it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to make money off of it.
1: Uh, The next up we have Land's Edge that has uh, gone from about $40 to around one fifty. This is the Legends Rare that's basically giving both players uh, Seismic Assault, right? They can discard a card and deal two damage. Am I remembering that right? Uh,
0: You might be. Let me take a look. Mm -hmm. Discard a card. Uh, Yes, you're exactly correct. It's um, Seismic Assault, but gives all players the option of doing it.
1: Okay. Uh, I figure this is old school. This is
0: Legends.
1: Uh, This is all kinds of stuff. So uh, party on. If you've got them,
0: feel free to move them. Yeah, I, I don't think you can really. Well, and I was gonna say I don't think you can. This is more than just being a legends card because you're gonna want to. You might want to play this in your new uh, <clears throat> John Land deck. Um, of course, that's probably questionable. Like, how many seismic assaults does the deck really need? Uh, you already have seismic assault, and you have uh, Mol- molten vortex, something like that. The one, the more, the newer one that costs one red, but then you have to pay every time you pitch. Like You have access to both of those and lands edge, giving it to your opponents. I don't know if you really want to give it to your opponents, although I guess in EDH that might be fine because then you, they're shooting each other with them. But having played the Gitrog monster deck, I really like it, but you have several fragile creatures you would rather not people not shoot down, <laughs> like your Oracle and Maldaya and like Ramunat uh, Excavator and stuff like that. So giving that... To your opponents doesn't seem wise so this is definitely why that card went up but i don't think the wisdom is there in playing it um following that snapcaster mage modern masters 2017 co- foil copies 150 to 600 um this is just the copies are gone i, I haven't looked it up but nobody bought a 600 hundred dollar foil mm3 snapcaster looks like supply just finally drained uh i mean if they bought out at 150 i you know you probably get them restocked at like actually selling at 175 to 200, maybe, um, you know, modern has been in really good shape lately. Uh, they just had a huge turnout for the modern star city this past weekend. Uh, so definitely some attention there. Uh, yeah. And I mean, you can still buy the original pack foils for under 200. Um, and the, the pro tour promos, the like, uh, RPTQ promos are like one sixty. So I don't think, um, that $300 is not a real price. It'll probably settle around $170 or
1: $180. Yeah, that sounds about right. I can't imagine paying um, a premium for the Modern Masters art when the other two are, uh, when the original Snapcaster looks so much uh, cooler and have, is it the actual like invitational level picture. So I'd be yeah, I mean, way more on board with that.
0: Even if you don't like, love Tiago Chan, it's not like the new Modern Masters 3 one is amazing or anything. <laughs>
1: Uh, next up, we have Navinreels Reels Disc out of Revised. The copies have gone from about four dollars to around eighteen, for a pretty impressive gain. And I believe this is just a question of old school at work, right? Uh, this is legal in old school, and you can just wreck everything that needs wrecking. Wait, did we say that
0: Revised was legal in old school? I. Could have sworn we looked this up last week. You looked it up last week because uh, you said that uh, Fallen Empires wasn't. It? Well, cliff looks that up uh our next card was three dreams out of Ravnica foils four dollars to thirty uh three dreams tutors for uh auras or enchantments something like that definitely part of that the ban- enchantment commander that we've been talking about uh search your library for three auras and put them in your hand so it's tutor for three cards in in that commander
1: revised is legal uh, we're checking on it again okay
0: we'll probably so check so again a, next
1: week yeah
0: nevin earl's desk is uh yeah probably that old school. It's just an extremely effective answer card in that format.
1: Uh, next up we have Sun Sentinel. Uh, I think this is part of the uh, Welcome Deck shenanigans that can go on. It's a Corset card. It's the two mana uh, My linker, right?
0: So uh, unblockable,
1: maybe? Sun Sentinel. Uh, no, it's two mana uh, Vigilance. Two, Vigilance. So because you two can mana, only get this Vigilance. in the Welcome Deck, uh, that's why some people are trying to sell it for $4. Uh, congratulations if you manage to be that person who is selling uh, Welcome Deck cards at ridiculous prices, especially because this is straight from Rivals of Ixalon. There is no time at which this card will be legal from, due to the core set, but not legal from Rivals. So I don't know, man. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I, I, I mean, I would imagine it's just a product of nobody putting them up for sale, essentially. Yeah, I
1: guess. If you're the only
0: one selling welcome deck cards, you get to set the price. Exactly. We will finish off the week with Chamber of Manipulation foils out of Odyssey, two dollars to twenty dollars, supposedly. Chamber of Manipulation, uh, I, this has got to be the Bant Enchantress deck that does draw that can draw a lot of cards. This is an enchantment that you uh, it's a you enchant your land. Let me let me get you guys rules text. Enchanted Land has tap, discard a card, gain control of target creature till end of turn. So I have a buddy with this card in his deck, and it's terrible, but it is obnoxious because it's instant speed, threaten, repeatable instant speed, threaten. In the Bant deck, like you can untap it with your commander's ability type of thing. Uh, and the enchantress decks tend to draw a lot of cards, so this does, you are going to have some fodder for it. Um, and Odyssey is obviously ancient. So we saw this Odyssey foil get bought out as well as zombie uh, infestation. So I'm thinking that it might've been the same person just going after Odyssey foils uh, that are recently more relevant. So keep in mind chamber manipulation
1: lacks the important text, untap that creature. Correct.
0: Yeah, that too. So you like, you can be like, like you can attack somebody else with that creature, but if you attack me, I'm taking it. And then if they attack you, you just take it. Like you don't get to do anything with it, but you can force them to attack someone else with that type of thing. Or, like, attack him with that creature, and if you don't, I'm going to tap it. I don't know. All sorts of weird stuff. Yep. All right. Shenanigans the whole. Let's get into Segment 2 our cards to watch. Cliff, why don't you get us started?
1: Uh, first of all, I really like uh, Thada Adele, the Inquisitor, the Worldwake rare. Uh, you can get non-foils around 4 bucks, and I think they'll go up to around 10 uh, Dodged, reprint uh, reprinted every opportunity so far. I like the foils even more, but there's only like three copies out there that are near mint and under $20 that I could find. So uh, I'm settling on non-foils, but uh, this is a card that is too sweet in Commander to not get played in every single uh, Merfolk iteration. And most blue Commander decks should really think about playing this card because you get to steal their artifacts and play them. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it looks like supply is relatively low on this. I didn't realize it had kind of crept up. And I completely agree. I don't think you're going to see this spike right away, but this is definitely going to keep climbing without a reprint. So this could sneak its way into $10 if nobody's paying attention.
1: Yep. Uh, there's only... Um, yeah, I, I, tried, I thought foils would be uh, a much better bet, but I looked for it and there's none. So if you want to buy the last three foils out there, uh, you have fun with that.
0: Yeah, there are a couple of cards this week that I went and got all excited about. And then I found that their foils were already gone. I don't I don't think they were like just having bought. I'm just, but it's obnoxious because I was all set to make my pick of the week. And I'm like, oh, how am I can't recommend this card if there's two of them? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first card this week is uh, a Hummer. archive out of Magic Origins. Foils are currently about 20 bucks. I keep seeing this card in a bunch of different EDH lists every time. I go and look them up like today I was browsing a lot of arena uh, decks, the new Esper zombie commander and Alhambra's archive was in a ton of them because it draws a lot of cards and makes a lot of life. And you'll also find in a lot of other decks too. anything that gives you incidental card draw or life gain definitely likes Alhambra's archive. Origins is getting old know, um, <clears throat> quote unquote old, but certainly it's falling out of recency anyways uh, supply is fairly shallow it's really popular in the format foils are about 20 bucks uh, but i think that you know another couple months maybe and you see foils well north of 30 probably 30 to 40 dollars. i don't know if you're really going to see it crack 40 unless it just keeps going and going and going so i don't i don't, not going to promise you that but i do think you will be in pretty good position if you manage to grab these at 20 or under This is also one of those
1: buy it now because it's much cheaper than it will be kind of cards. Because if there's one thing
0: commander players
1: like doing, it is uh, winning more. And this is the definition of a winning more card. It's no good if you're not doing either of these two things. But if you you are, it's it's really going to pay you off.
0: Do you think it's win more? I mean, I haven't really played with it much myself, but it seems like it turns stuff that would be incidental. And not necessarily good enough into something that really matters. Like drawing three cards and gaining five life is fine, but drawing six cards and gaining ten life is a lot better. Like I can right, see that being the you, difference. I can I, see the are margin you doing on for that three being cards
1: and five life.
0: What do you mean? You mean what are, are you are doing you to just, get that?
1: Are you? Uh, let's uh, kiss of the Amisha is the closest card that comes to mind. It's two cards and seven life, if I remember
0: right. So.
1: Not I, mean, I don't care. just mean
0: on one trigger. I just mean like in general, like if, if over the course of your turn, you gain a couple of life and draw a card or two the margin between doing, doing it for those values and doing it for twice those values seems like it's a difference between being not being enough and being enough, but I don't know for sure. I, you know, I, again, I haven't really played with it much myself. I just kind of look at it and go, eh, this feels like doubling those effects is pretty good. In the same way that with doubling season, like, yeah. Doubling the amount of counters on something is a difference between it being mediocre and being amazing.
1: Right. I'm I'm with you on that. And I I've played Archive in a couple of decks, and it is exactly that. You feel bad when you don't immediately get some use out of it, but when you do, it feels so good. You're like, No, 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 no. I'm not doing that. I'm doing twice that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well I'm sure it feels really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, your question was whether it's win more or not. I guess I still don't have an answer for it. But at the end of the day, who cares if it feels good? Play it anyways. <laughs> what do you got next for us, Cliff? Uh, next up is another Merfolk
1: card that I think has great potential Is Summon the School, the Lorwin uh, Common and Foil. It's right now you can get uh, for about a dollar. There's 35 foils on TCG Player, and I'm going to say $7 but I would not be surprised if this spiked to 10 because it is so ridiculously amazing in the Merfolk decks. So uh, for those of you that uh, weren't playing in Lorwyn and you don't remember, Summon the School is four mana. Let me make sure. Summon the School four Four. mana for an uncommon that creates two blue Merfolk wizard tokens, and you tap any four Merfolk to return it from your graveyard to your hand. And you just keep replaying it, and the first time you get it back, you are chaining it for value, and it feels so good,
0: yeah, that's pretty being able to kind of go infinite with that seems pretty great it does, and then if you have anointed procession, it really is infinite it it is completely well you because you still need mana well, I meant infinite in that like you keep generating enough tokens and then you just need um Intruder Alarm and oh. uh, Cryptolith Rites. Intruder I'm... Alarm, cryptoliths, Cryptolith and Anointed Procession goes infinite. Uh, you need to give him haste, too. Well, I mean, what? Generating an infinite number of Merfolk and Mana isn't sufficient. You also have to give them haste. Well, the Merfolk
1: that you're making can't tap for Mana. Oh. Travis is going to work on his true. Merfolk combos. It's okay, but uh, I, I love Summon the School as a foil pick. I'm, uh, you know, you're not going to make any money on the non foils, but there's just enough copies out there that somebody, uh, could swoop all of them up. You could pick up a couple of play sets worth, you can do what you want to do, but this is a card that's, uh, going to hit big, I think.
0: No, it still works because <laughs> as long as you have four merfolk that aren't summoning sick, you keep untapping them every time you cast in the school. Okay.
1: Yes. You are right about that. You are starting all the I'll shenanigans with four in play. and crypto I'll play.
0: take it. Okay. Congratulations. Yeah. You yeah, broke the
1: format.
0: Yep. You heard it here first, folks. EDH is broken. <laughs> um, no, I think that's a really good catch. Uh, honestly, there's going to be, there's like no copies of it. New um, Merfolk are getting more and more popular. Uh, and really like, even if it doesn't take off now, as soon as they print a decent bant Merfolk, then it will. So you're really just getting ahead of the curve on this one. I I, I can see exactly the card they put in a Bant Merfolk set, a set with a a Bant Merfolk legend, but like in a commander deck. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, My second pick this week is World Shaper out of Rivals of Ixalan. Foils are about 350 right now. World Shaper, let me read that card to you. World Shaper is a four mana, three, three. When he attacks, you mill your own three, your, mill your top, top three of your library. But when he dies, you put all land cards from your graveyard into the battlefield. So if you are, for instance, playing Lord Windgrace and you have been pitching lands into your graveyard for the last couple turns, you play World Shaper and just eat him immediately, and you get like nine lands in play. Uh, so very good in that deck because it returns all the lands that you have milled or pitched or what have you. Um, It doesn't say tapped? Yeah, they're tapped. They come into play tapped from the World Shaper? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I abridge the Oracle text. Okay, I'm just making sure because if they came
1: in untapped, that does seem ridiculously broken.
0: It it would be. Uh, This card, it's from Rivals of Ixalan, but the foils are already like $250, $354, which is kind of high for a card that's like in standard and. Only EDH like that means there's clearly some strong EDH demand because most bulk rare foils are still like a dollar or less. So for this to be upwards of three fifty, like people are buying this card and it's very very fresh still. So this is definitely going to ramp up hard over the next couple of months as the rest of the ROI copies slowly get eaten, especially with Lord Windgrace showing up because uh, you're not getting more ROI anytime soon. Uh, so I do think this is easily going to cruise to 10 or $15. And frankly, it could be the next Oracle of Moldiah. Like, it is that type of card. Um, that depends on them not reprinting it, of course. I, it could be. I think that uh, the
1: number in circulation is pretty different between Oracle and this, but I like your optimism.
0: Well, I mean, foil Oracles are like a million dollars. I don't think it's going to be that expensive, but I mean, like, if you don't reprint this, it will keep going. True. That is... One hundred percent true. All right, what's your last one for the week?
1: My last one for the week is Inventor's Fair Foils uh, out of Kaladesh. You can get them for around twelve bucks, uh, and it's just awesome. Uh, it's played in two, in mainly in Lantern Control. It sometimes pops up in Affinity lists. Uh, you'll see it in some other uh, as a fun of occasionally in other decks, and it is a really great commander card for. All of the different artifact themes you can do because it has metalcraft. go find an artifact or just gain a life every turn because you have artifacts. Uh, I think the 25 is where it's going to go. I think it's a pretty easy double up as one or two different decks will play it. It'll get on camera and it'll just go wild. Uh, and you want to have your set now before it costs you $100 to get you a play set.
0: Okay, yeah. I mean, it's it's proven popular over time, and I think this was James' pick a couple of weeks ago, probably a little longer than that now, actually. But this year, I think he's talked about that card. Um, so, you're, so you're in good company with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Segment three, Metagame Week in Review. We had Indianapolis, the Modern Open. Uh, some interesting stuff floating around in there. Uh, Cliff, I know that there was one in particular that caught your eye uh you want to tell us about it
1: yes uh there were two uh blue red wizard decks in the top 16 uh and they are just if you said blue red wizards to me i would have said it's based around the new uh wizard the cinder wind whose name escapes me from dominaria but no uh this is all super low to the ground there's only a couple that cost three it's Delver, Lava Mancer, Snapcaster, and just Lightning Bolt, Lightning Bolt, Wizards, Lightning. Uh, no Counterspell, not much, uh, none of the Wizard Counterspell, but it does have one Spell Snare, a couple Mana leaks, a couple Remands, and it's just trying to get in there super low to the ground. Uh, this is a deck that had four of the spell, uh, Nimble Obstructionist that we mentioned before, and it was being used uh, a lot on camera for countering all sorts of activated and triggered abilities that were problematic and drawing them a card. Uh, Stifle is not modern legal, correct?
0: No, it is not.
1: Right. So if, can you just take a moment and imagine how good it would feel to stifle somebody's fetch land uh, and draw a card, no less. Just take a a minute. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Everyone in legacy knows that feeling (laughs) or the Uh, other side.
1: There's also a playset of Mutavault in here. This could be another deck that makes Mutavault uh, rise up again, and it's just a, a wonderful low-to-the-ground deck that uh, gives four Wizards Lightning in the main.
0: Yeah, the use of... I, I was a little surprised when I looked through this because it just wasn't at all what I would have expected a Wizards deck to look like in Modern. Um, I'm not... Still not 100% sure, essentially, why. Like... What is this? Why are you playing this deck? Uh, but apparently it worked. Because um, it seems like the only real payoff is Wizard's Lightning. I guess you have Muta Vault, but like that works elsewhere. So it's really Wizard's Lightning is the only thing here that's distinct. So is an additional lightning bolt that good? Yep. Yes. Seems. I mean, lightning bolt's a good card, especially with Snapcaster. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I guess I'm mean, it was good enough. I mean, it could just be people didn't really know what was going on. Uh, it's true. Modern is a format where if you don't figure out what's
1: going on quickly, uh, the game's over.
0: Yeah. Uh, there are sure. notably
1: two Alpine Moon in the sideboard, um, a card that I thought might be getting more play than it's getting in Modern, but honestly, most decks would just choose to play Blood Moon over this, and Alpine Moon is in here over Blood Moon, I think just because... The deck is playing uh, 22 land, only like 11, 14 of which actually produce mana. So yeah. um,
0: that's why Alpine Moon's in there over Blood Moon. Sure. Very low to the ground deck. It's not looking to play three Mount enchantments. And get, being able to get this down in turn one and just annoy someone other than, you know, uh, it's pretty good. I wonder, I'd have to look closer at the format to get a feel for... Uh, any overwhelming utility lands that are out there, like... Fumeral's um, a two-of in here. With the Raging would be a really big deal or something. Well, the the Red-Blue Manland is a two-of
1: in here, and I'm kind of surprised at that because you know, this is, this coming into play tapped on turn one seems like it really sucks for this deck because you really want to
0: land a Delver on turn one. Uh, Wait, hold on. So you're looking at... I'm looking at Hoogland's build that took sixth place. Oh, the wandering Fumeral. Yeah, but I mean, I assume you're not trying to play wandering Fumeral on one. You're just looking to play it anywhere you have a gap. But I mean, like, I guess Alpine Moon is, I wonder if elsewhere in the format, if there's a couple particular utility lands that are giving this deck trouble that would warrant Alpine Moon. Because like, it's not fantastic against Tron. Like even Blood Moon itself isn't great against Tron. So Alpine Moon is going to be even worse. Um, <clears throat> but I wonder if like, you know if John if Jen is really popular or if there's a ton of raging ravine type of thing floating around or um you know any of the very, you know ink moth type you know land anything like that it's pretty good against probably i mean it's a two of so I imagine he just made it up as he went Not like he's it's out.
1: probably really good
0: against colonnade uh yes i yeah I mean jess guy's been popular too. Humans. It doesn't seem like it's good against humans, right? Because they're all their lands are just. Oh, it seems election. like garbage damage against humans. No, because it gives the land uh adds one of for any color. color. So it's like really yeah, humans, humans
1: all that all of that anyway. So yeah, the, giving this to
0: humans is just like thank you. Yeah. Thanks for mulliganing yourself. Yeah, it's not their target. Looking, I mean, I do see several humans lands in this deck, and I see militia bugler a four of in the fourth place. Oh my version. god, it's so good in that deck. Um. So that's,
1: you, that's interesting. It's 2-3 Vigilance that draws. The only thing it doesn't draw is uh, the the Hasties... Um, uh, uh, God, what's it called?
0: Mantis Rider. Mantis Rider is a human. Oh, because yeah, but it's, it's not it's small Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, plenty of humans here, so that deck is... Still doing quite well. Uh, foil Militia Buglers are probably going to get strained very quickly. Other than that, the list doesn't look like it has deviated much from what I've seen in the past. So, you know, whatever was there is is not news, I guess I would say. Um, I don't expect that to have any major impacts. Um, other than that, I don't know. Nothing here too wild to me. The oh, Blue White Spirits made 18th. I know that's been the talk of... Twitter and Magic Online, um, Call Captain, Mausoleum Wander, Rattle Chains, Spell Queller, and the, Selfless Spirit,
1: and the the New Spirit Lord yeah. and the um, yeah. Exile. Everything from their yard to one flyers showing up in the board
0: occasionally. Yeah, I think i was also i was talked about um, self, uh, Spell Queller. I know I picked that once or twice.
1: It's because it's an awesome card and it deserves a reprint pretty
0: soon. It was Eldritch Moon, right? Yeah, I mean you got you got at least a year at least a year, possibly longer, before you have to worry about that one.
1: Um, in the standard, uh, the, it was only a classic, so it was a relatively smaller event. Uh, Star City had, in the top eight, three mono-green decks and two mono-black zombie decks, which huh. just makes my heart sink. The zombie deck is positioned really well for the next couple of months, because it's got uh, three Lords, four if you want to play Metallic Mimic, And it'll just go to town on you, you probably before you can cast your Cleansing Nova. Uh, The Mono Green decks are mainly trying to go Steel Leaf Champion into Gigantosaurus and just make your day miserable that way.
0: Hmm. I hadn't looked at Standard in a while. That's some interesting lists, right? Like, uh, certainly... You wouldn't curious. think that
1: Llanowar Elves would be a card that you're playing, knowing how many Chain Rollers are out there. But get, being able right. to get down the uh, the Steel Leaf on turn two is just disgusting.
0: Yeah, the- I guess it's worth it. Like you, you accept that you will lose your Llanowar Elves on turn three if it means you get your Steel Leafs or whatever on turn two, which then beat up the Chain Rollers, beat them up bad. Uh, it takes even if they go chain whirler and lightning
1: strike to kill your uh, your steel leaf champion, that's on turn five. It costs them two cards. You're feeling pretty good about that,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. There's so there's a lot, uh, interesting. So, so you know, standard, we don't exactly know where it's going yet, but some interesting oh. stuff to keep an eye on headed into October. Land of Elf and Steel Leaf champion is certainly going to be one of them. Um, you know, are there going to be any Mythics, like Rivals of Ixalan Mythics, that, that kind of break out because of that? Uh, I don't know. But I know Land War Elves in a format is a pretty big deal. That, uh, that definitely pushes green cards and three and four mana green cards. Okay, let's move on. Segment four, our topic of the week. Uh, first, we're going to get into briefly this um, interview that was given by... Uh, wait, what was it? It was Jim Kramer. Lost it. Brian... Brian, well, yeah, Jim Kramer was the interviewer. Right. Brian Goldner is the Hasbro CEO. And he definitely caught a little flack on Twitter for saying, uh, wait, let me find it. He said, uh, it, Hasbro's goal will be to build fantasy games like um, Dungeons & Dragons into esports properties ripe for global esports competition. Essentially, basically, he said they're excited to turn Dungeons and Dragons into an esport, Which, of course, got everyone really confused because Dungeons and Dragons has basically always been like a social cooperative experience. Uh, it's n- only kind of about the game. It's definitely very much one of those. The true the true journey was the friends you made along the way type of thing. So to have the CEO of Hasbro the CEO of Hasbro, like the top guy over everything, saying, Oh, yeah, it's good. You know, we're going to turn Dungeons and Dragons into an esport. Everyone hears esport and they're thinking like League of Legends and Overwatch, very competitive. So, what does this mean for Dungeons and Dragons and Hasbro and Wizards? It's obviously ridiculous. And my read on it, given that Magic is not a. Massive magic and Dungeons Dragons are not like the overwhelmingly largest part of Hasbro's um, market, like their profit. In fact, they're not even close. The you know, combine that with the fact that esports are a very new and fresh frontier. I'm not surprised that the Hasbro CEO isn't really aware of what esports are, he's probably hearing esports and thinking. To him, that probably means video games on the internet that people watch um, or things that, you know, gaming on the internet that people watch and experience online. Um, so if you look at something like, what is it? Critical Role, I think, which is where they broadcast themselves playing d which is pretty popular. I believe that's what that is. I mean, I'm imagining things like that are not... I mean, he's not thinking about Critical Role, but he's probably thinking about <clears throat> displaying d on Twitch and trying to grow that concept, um, exposing D and D in that regards, not turning D and D into a competitive environment where players play it to beat each other. Uh, so really, it's just essentially Hasbro CEO kind of disconnected from his property and the the more nuanced applications of it, uh, and he just got kind of got caught up speaking out of, not out of turn, but essentially he got caught up in something he's he's not familiar enough about. He doesn't know enough about his own product. And he's probably has been since educated by his staff. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. Do you, did you read anything different into that? Did you hear something that I didn't? No, my
1: first thought was uh, he just caught in a buzzword that he liked. Um, p- people have probably been preaching arena at him for a while. And didn't they say that they only, in the conference call a couple weeks back, they said it was Magic, Monopoly, and Baby Alive were the only ones that grew for them in the quarter where uh, Toys R Us died, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, I think, though, that uh, there might be a market for something not like an eSport, not like a stadium full of people watching uh, d and happening. But I think there is a market for a robust and useful client for playing d and at a distance. Because there's probably a huge market for, uh, people who played together at some point, uh, college, high school, whatever it was, and they might want to reconnect with people that way. And, um, it's possible to do those kinds of things over Skype or Discord or whatever, but to give them a, to give such people a real, like, electronic foothold in that to make that easy seems like something that they should be pursuing because then you can set up um you can make it the, the hardest part about D is finding like play groups who want to do what you want to do and things like that so being able to get D online i think actually has a real future
0: well yeah and i think that's a really good perspective um and we're on the same page he just stumbled over a buzzword doesn't really know what he's talking about but you know look at something like um Neverwinter Nights, which is now, <clears throat> I don't know what, 15 years old or something like that. Neverwinter Nights 2. Uh, and it still is, is relatively popular, for especially for a game that old. People really enjoy crafting those D&D play spaces and sharing them with people and doing it online. And other than Neverwinter Nights and maybe like one other d video game, there's not a lot of great ways to do that, but it's inherently a really social activity too. So Skype and Discord feel kind of disconnected when you're doing that, but you're not in the room with them. Uh, and it kind of, you know, it's hard to see everything that's going on and so forth. And that's why it Where I
1: see a much better interface for that because it's not meant for that. It's meant for like video calls. It's meant for
0: right, looking it, at each other's and face. It, but even video calls, I don't think are satisfactory because like you can't really see the table. It's hard to see the table and everything that's going on. That's and like you can't, lean over and look at your buddy's sheet. So but I'm t- like so. So here's what I'm thinking. Your real vehicle for pushing D&D into people's houses is VR. Like this seems like a really great property to take advantage of the burgeoning. VR scene, because now I like where this everyone going. can build their character, you know, I want, because D&D people are, and I, you know, I've never played, so I could be a little off. Uh, I will tell you, you know, that but the, the last time
1: I played D&D, Backo was involved, and I'm told that was several editions ago, so uh, please remember everybody, <laughs> uh, we do not know well, a lot about the game for which we speak.
0: Sure. Absolutely correct. Having said that, I envision D&D players being kind of big into like crafting their characters, appearances, jewelry they're going to wear. They want to pick accents. You know, they, they build a character, right? They don't play based on what I don't play based on what I would do. I play based on what my character would do. And then the, the Dungeon Masters like creating these experiences for players. So a strong VR suite which lets players go in and decorate their characters and give them accents and appearances and stuff and gives a DM really strong tools for quickly building an environment in a world setting that his players can can traverse, traverse through where then they all get to sit down and put these on. And then, you know, now the idea of like walking through the woods and encountering something and having these sort of experiences, which are, I think, generally... Uh, you much more special in D&D than they are in other video games, these sort of moments, much more than just shooting a guy. Uh, VR really speaks to that. So it seems like a really good vehicle for that. Is that where they're going to go? No, anything Hasbro's ever touched with a power switch has died a horrible death. So I don't think that's what we're going to get. But it's really great to dream about. It
1: is great to dream about. And how can you say that things die a horrible death? They have kept magic online on life support for 15 years.
0: This is true. They have, uh, what was that poor woman, Terry Scheibeau? They have Terry Scheibeau. Oh my goodness,
1: that is a a reference and a half. Um, But back to something he had referred to, um, I don't think magic could be an eSport. I think that there are, it's fundamentally a card game. It's fundamentally an interaction game. And playing online is just the, the bare bones of the experience. Although um I saw somebody on Twitter say this, I don't remember who, uh they were a legacy player who mainly played online and they went to a live event at Grand Prix Minneapolis and they're like, God, shuffling sucks. I hate shuffling. I had to shuffle I had to spend like half my match shuffling. Like, yeah, that's that's what legacy is. But hmm. to to take just a card game which is like beautiful beautiful art on the cards and try and make something like arena is probably as close as we're going to get given the complexity of the rules involved so i i just don't think that it's ever going to be the stadiums full of uh craziness that it could be but that being said I also don't know what it would look like if Wizards really put the money behind it that is showing up in other big time online stuff.
0: James and I have been down this path quite a few times. I think both he and I are relatively on the same page that Magic at its core is not capable of being a stadium level game. Um, it's too slow, it's not exciting. Uh, and the depth, the, the barrier to understanding what's happening at the table is extraordinarily high. I can sit down and watch a football game or a basketball game and know nothing about the game. But I can still see the players doing things and I can recognize when a ball goes in the hoop and when it doesn't. When you watch Magic, forget it, right? Like there's no <laughs> possibility. And even as somebody who knows the game inside and out, if I were to watch a, a draft of Magic 2019, a set which I don't really know any of the cards from very well, uh, especially from a limited perspective, I, I'd be like, okay, I can tell he attacked. Like, what does that card do? And like you can add in all sorts of features to try and help people know what the cards are, but just the amount of knowledge you have to have in order to be able to see it is 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 way too much. So it will always be a niche activity, right? A niche viewership. It just cannot be anything bigger than that. So
1: that's fair. I'll I'll give you that. Um I just miss uh I kind of miss duels, I'll be honest. I thought Bills of Planeswalkers was a lot of fun, but uh, <laughs> I was in a minority
0: on that. They'll reboot it eventually. All right, so Commander 2018, uh, fully spoiled now. We've got the lists out. MSRP is up a little bit. Uh, player reception has been a little lukewarm. People are really excited about a couple of cards. They like, th- they like some of the ideas. Myself and some other players uh, some other content creators really like the direction of, of building on themes, especially ones that are a little less explored. But overall, public reception is lukewarm um, with, the you know, the cost of the product is up, but the overall value is down. There's not that many juicy reprints. Um, so it's we're kind of in the middle of the road here. What what has been your take after kind of having a chance to digest a spoiler a little bit?
1: Uh, I feel like um, there wasn't enough. For example, the, the band enchantment deck, um, all of the legends care about enchantments and they don't encourage you to go in different ways. Um, but even so, the, the merfolk three color, uh, commander is a sign that, like, they try and put other themes in there. Like, remember in the, uh, zombie deck, it was Nekusar and you had this entirely, it was, it happened to be a zombie, but it was a three color zombie. That was perfect in a control deck. And you just want to put in everything that says draw cards. And we have one example of that with the Ninja Commander, who uh my favorite thing about the Ninja Commander, uh what's the Tiger something? Tiger Shadow?
0: Oh I don't I remember don't remember her name, name. Yukiro um,
1: something. She they they keep saying that Commander Ninjutsu works exactly the way you want it to. And that's really great. Uh we we always want to be able to do the, the cool thing in Commander but that was it like they didn't put any extra themes in the other cards and the other legends um the jund one has the spider that encourages everybody to attack they have a whole lot of those everybody must attack cards already um in the artifact one we talked about it last week uh you have this alternate win condition of um, excuse me you have the red blue artifact tokens matters instead of just like cram all the good artifacts in. Uh, You also get Taunos, who does uh, all the activated abilities you could ever want. So I think that we need more of those in the commander decks. And it's really hard for Wizards to do, to say, like, well, here's a three-color enchantment deck. And we're also going to give you a two-color ninja commander. And we're going to take up one. Thank god they put the the Ogre Ninja in the deck. Otherwise, that would be a $50 card. but we didn't get a lot of the the other ones. We didn't get like a uh, a Gitrog monster level, I care about lands in the graveyards or something else going on in that sense. Uh, I like that we got the three-color giant hydra, although there, I don't think there are any uh, black hydras around. They're, they've almost all been red and green. But uh, I, I just want more legends. I thought Dominaria did a great job giving us neat build around legends for limited constructed and commander. And that's what I think the commander deck should do.
0: Yeah. they've. You're right. They've got the ninjutsu, which is cool. I like that idea. Uh, and I think that commander is one of the coolest out of the product, but then they just give you like no support for it whatsoever. So maybe, maybe that's a seed for the next set, the next block. Um, But no, I think this was
1: because this is, this is up there with, um, Whoever the legendary merfolk is, that they crammed into Eldritch Moon uh, because everybody was screaming at wizards. Give us the red, black, the red, green werewolf commander. Uh, they've probably been screaming about we need a two color ninjutsu commander because there is a blue legendary ninja and there's a black legendary ninja. But there is not a blue, black legendary. ninja.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe. But I mean, it does. I don't know. It, maybe it's a seed, you know, if Kamigawa comes around in three years, can you call it a seed? Who knows? Uh, mm-hmm. I like the idea of adding the commanders that do something different, but we got so little of it. We got the ninja to commander, but like the the merfolk band commanders, lame as hell. Um, the spider is <laughs> yeah, really dumb. Of the color. <clears throat> uh, you know, most of them aren't that cool. clad and, nin- and the commander ninja to are like the coolest ones but the support there isn't great, but that's fine. Cause they open up some avenues, but you know, between the lack of reprints, uh, the lack of support for the sub themes and even kind of the lack of support for the main themes. I mean, I was, I spent two weeks talking about how much I was looking forward to a minute out and how cool I thought the idea of the top card of the library mattering was. And I was excited to see what they did with it. And then the full spoiler came on. I'm like, what the hell does this do? Like, it doesn't do anything like it's, you put in a bunch of cards that reference the top of your library, but there's like no real payoffs. Like the payoffs are everything we've already seen before. You put one spell in that does something and it costs 10 mana. Like who cares? So it was just like, that was really disappointing as well as I felt like there was no follow through on that either. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm mostly with everyone else. It's like they, there was a couple high points, but the overall, the feel of the set is just kind of mediocre. Um, you know, and, no, there's not a lot of great reprints working. that people need.
1: Right. And that's, that's kind of bothersome to me because um, they say they don't care about the secondary market, but clearly they do. They, they'll never admit it. But uh, the fact that the band deck got uh, Enchantress's presence and what was the other one? I don't remember. That was over, uh, some other over $20 card or $15 card. And there's none of that for the reprints and the other sets. And uh, is it because they're expecting the planeswalkers to carry a pretty high value maybe but they tr- they're charging us more and this is an excellent opportunity for them to get some reprints out there to you know encourage people remember this awesome old card play with this some more I, I just feel like they missed out
0: yeah so i mean i i i'm hoping that we'll get a little more traction on some of this stuff as time goes on remember that as far as commander's product goes The initial rush of cards here is mostly from speculators and players who really are keeping an eye on it. Most commander players are not glued to their monitors, checking these spoilers and getting ready to build them. They don't. Most people that are going to buy your non-foil LP copies of the cards they need for their decks aren't going to buy them until they have the decks in their hands and they've had them for a couple of weeks and had a chance to play a game or two. So just remember that kind of the sales for this take a little while to kind of get going and keep going. So expect to see a majority of your Commander 2018 sales, um, you know, if you're listing ninjas or whatever, <clears throat> uh, in like October, November, December, right? Like after people have had a chance to play with them. Um, that said, I have sold two near mint foil Higur the Stillwind for forty bucks, forty and forty five dollars a piece <laughs> in like twenty four hours. So there are people out there that are real on board with that ninja deck, and I am not surprised at all. Uh so that seems to me like a relatively shallow market, but the people that are there are gonna love it. Um and that that's so. my
1: thinking about the Murfolk deck. It doesn't take a lot of people to think something's awesome.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, anything else tickle your fancy this week, Cliff? Nope, that's a wrap for this
1: week, Travis.
0: All right. I am Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at Wizard Bumpin B-U-M-P-I-N. Uh you find my articles every Monday on MTG Price for as um, the watchtower articles every Monday. Uh, where can our listeners find you, Cliff? Uh, if, you can find me on bagel.
1: Twitter. Oh my God! It's uh, the school year is starting, man, and I'm gonna have a whole new year of bagel jokes. Uh, I'm on Twitter at word of commander, and you can find me every Friday on mtgprice.com, the Casual Fridays, or if you go to a GP and you see the giant flashing cube graph sign, that's me.
0: Stay away. I'd <laughs> like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service. For just $4.99 a month or $49.99 per year, you can get early access to this podcast right here. Fantastic articles by some of the best MTG finance minds in the business and a awesome set of online collection management and buy list tools that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering.
1: That's it for this week. I hope everybody has a great time watching the Pro Tour this weekend. It's in the U.S., so uh, we get the stuff at a reasonable time. There's no... Late Night Shenanigans, and I believe James will be back next week after clearing out all of Eastern Europe's card shops. So uh, I'll see you around, Travis.
0: Thank you for joining us again, Cliff. I enjoyed our three-week stretch here, and I'm sure you will be back again in the near future. I know I've got a couple events planned in the next couple weeks, months, that I'm James is going to have to reach out to you for probably. I'm happy uh, to be the official substitute teacher. All right. Well, thank you again for joining me. That's episode 129 of MTG Fast Finance, and we will see you all next week.